Citizens of the Verse, today is April 13th, 2951, and welcome to another episode of ReadCast. We're a weekly Star Citizen podcast sponsored by the Read Organization. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. He lives in a pineapple out in space, Chekhov. Say hello, Chekhov. Wait, I didn't get that. Hello, but like I'm still Like a pineapple under the about. sea? Hello? Hello, uh, SpongeBob uh, uh, SquarePants? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a foreigner. How am I supposed to know Check about... off square you pants. Know, really know SpongeBob. I know about only Russian cartoons like Tom <laughs> and Jerry. <laughs> and of course, the person we should all be afraid of. Huh? Mm-hmm. huh? Yeah, very good. Seagard <laughs> Olsen. Say hello, Seagard. Hello, everybody. Glad to be back. <laughs> Tonight, we also have a special guest, Mr. Birthday Boy himself, Canuck 2099. Happy birthday, Canuck. Oh, happy birthday. Birthday. Oh, th- thank you. I'm, I'm, after those two jokes, though, I'm starting to maybe rethink this whole <laughs> guest thing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, no one said I had a good sense of humor. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. And, you know, last week you may have all heard me say happy birthday to Canuck, but it was actually this week that was his birthday. Ah. Uh, tonight, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. So he... He had said, you know, it'd be awesome to be on the show for my birthday. I'm glad we can make it happen. Absolutely. It's like it's like it's like Christmas in April. There you go. I thought you were gonna say Mexico for some reason. I don't know why. Because <laughs> who doesn't love Christmas in Mexico? Um as a New Englander, I don't. <laughs> um but you know, some people do. Uh so uh, Canuck, while you need not need an introduction. You know, some people might be listening for the first time, if you don't mind telling a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, my uh, call sign is Canuck2099. I'm uh, uh, a year older today. I've been a Star Citizen backer since October 2012. As I said last time, I've played every major patch, at least a little bit since, you know, since the Hangar Citizen, when we used to make spaceship sounds with our mouths as we pretended to fly around. And... Um, I'm always happy to pop on and contribute and give some opinion and talk some Star Citizen. Excellent. Um, so, uh, I don't know how eventful everyone's week has been because, like my past few weeks of tradition, I've been non existent in the game. But uh, what has everybody been up to? Canuck, what have you been doing in the game? Uh, I've been in and out. I've been testing out some different uh, fittings. I. Um, I was I unboxed last night. I um, one of the other members, Nayar, in our in the read organization, and I came to an agreement on a lovely uh, T1600 Hotas setup. So I was able to unbox that and start playing with uh, that and start getting awesome. the feel of moving away from keyboard and mouse. And so I've been playing with that a little bit of Arena Commander, waiting for PTU to clear and for everything to kind of get into the PU and. Um, yeah, flying around some planets, looking for some stuff. Just a little sightseeing. Nothing crazy. Okay, cool. Well, we get um, the science. I'll talk a little bit about that to mm-hmm. give you some ideas. Oh, nice. Zerkut. What yeah. about you, Mr. Seagard? So uh, I, I've worked on a couple of things. Um, well, at the end of last week, I did the. I finished out putting out the official uh, Discord dates for... Um, our general activity days, right? So Monday is Exploration Monday, Tuesday is Mining Tuesday, 
Wednesday is logistics day. It kind of follows the order we would work. Mm. Um, maybe in a single day, but it's still the sequence. And then day four was kind of security, uh, air and ground operations. And day five, I think, was uh, we were going to make that. I still have to put that one up. That was going to be for science. So I worked nice. on that. And then I've been helping a couple of individuals decided to let's do some uniform picking uh, to help with visual identification. And I've been collecting the screenshots of the different weapons combos and how to differentiate who, which grades are which, things like that. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Um, Chekhov, how about yourself? Oh, we, uh, we had a pretty exciting week. We were experimenting uh, finally with our sniper Sounds rifle. Very scientific. Uh, uh, no, well, I'm, I'm not going to get into it too much. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it for later. So uh, the details of it. So some sniper rifle play um, and, you know, a little bit of bounty, experimenting with some ships, practicing in, in air. Actually, we had a lot of uh, good time doing in air. Uh, I, mean, I think Canuck joined us for that one, right? The, we, we, you were there, right? Well, like five of it, us. Yeah, I'm in and out of stuff. I, I, I haven't been able to really get into organized things, but I try to pop in and, yeah, you know, emergent gameplay. Yeah, we we were like, a, had a little skirmish in atmosphere, five of us. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And we also had MG's uh, training day for ground ops. That was fun. Oh, cool. Yeah, that Very was, cool. Uh, what, Saturday? Saturday. Yeah. We missed you. We missed you, geeky though. Yeah, well, you know, we're gonna do it again. Though. A, bit, a bit much lately, but uh, soon I should be playing more. Probably, uh, I don't know when. Probably over the weekend and such. My um, a, a lot of the problem is my landlord's been trying to sell my building here that I'm mm. in, and they actually got an offer out on it and everything. Um, so. Geeky will be homeless soon. He's about to start looking for apartments. Oh. Well, on the plus side, you know, the one positive light of the pandemic in New York City is that uh, the rent is low (laughs) and (laughs) the availability is high. (laughs) Oh, well, that's good news at least. I mean, and when I say low, I mean, you know, quote, unquote, low. I have a, a potential roommate and I, and we're like, oh, well, you know, we're trying to keep it under 4,000. Yeah. So that's low. For you know, that's low. Um, but yeah, so I've been kind of busy. I did try to pop into the PTU for a bit, but it was just so um, visually like the, the frame rates for me were terrible. So I just didn't bother. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much me. Um, so the week's been sort of, I would almost say content wise, not so much, but talking point wise, uh, quite a bit. Actually, I say content wise, not so much, but the roadmap was kind of hefty. Um, but you know, ISC is still on hiatus and I think we'll be for one more week after this week. So next week, this week and next week, uh, and then we should be back if I'm not mistaken. Um, but we did have a star citizen live, which was all about three thirteen, 
Um, they had Richard Tyrer and Todd Pappy on. Uh, they answered some questions about 313. So they talked about the Rock DS um, and how it will have a QA out. Um, one of the things, uh, some of the things that they said were quote unquote better about it is they, they do have an upgraded laser on it. Um, supposedly, as well as larger cargo pa- capacity. They said four times, so I don't know if that's reflected yet in the PTU or not. It sounded like it was. And then um, the arm has more reach. So, I don't know. Still seems a little odd for me, but maybe that's a little bit more of a saving grace if you're just trying to have fun in the game. Um, the pickpocketing that we're seeing in the PTU uh, is actually a bug. So don't expect to be able to do that. You can loot, I think, but pickpocket. I hear a sound in game. Hang on one second. Okay. Sorry, I had a cough as well at the same time. I was like, what's going on in game? Um, and then uh, push, push and pull. That, while it seems like a um, a feature that they really intended to come into this release for a particular reason it's really just to test and play around with it um and they said that there should be some other functionality that's downstream that will make that make more sense um top happy did say he would like to eventually have a sell all feature for the quantum sensitive cargo um they are looking at rebalancing commodities where you can get them how much you can get Mm. um they might be able to apply cave tech to asteroids match speed is coming back for all you um ace combat pilots um mm-hmm. spawning a connie spawns two ships and they did confirm that um there is a three vehicle limit for spawning so just be mindful of that folks now that the um merlin is actually a ship attached to the connie not you know just a thing there and then uh they did also so say so ship names will be larger in the future so wait so three vehicles spawning that means what exactly mm that's the limit as a player. So if you try to spawn more than three vehicles, one of them is going to despawn. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so, okay. So you can have a ground vehicle and a light uh, ship and, and, and your main ship. Okay. Yeah. And that's, I'm, I'm sure that's for now. Um, just because of limitations that each vehicle might have, but, uh, yeah. Canuck, what did you think of that episode? Did you get a chance to watch it? I, yeah. Of it. I, I actually I watched it three times I think because there was a lot of stuff there were some non-answers that were a little not as impressive as you'd like yeah. but there was there were some they kind of glossed mm-hmm. over a few things that I thought were pretty interesting like you were mentioning the rock DS having you know people are not overly impressed with it and I tend to agree with some of the aspects but the um, the thing about the rock currently with like hot swapping the contents of the of the vehicle being able to instantly transfer it into a box and then place that box on your ship um is is an unintended thing right now and so you won't be able to do that at at some point once they sort out more of the itemization so that all of a sudden the fact that the rock ds has that four times capacity is going to be more significant because essentially you'll be you, you know you kind of get the impression that you'll almost have to be physically moving individual crystals out of the box to move stuff around, which all of a sudden the rock capacity becomes more of an issue. 
uh, I think the um, the bulk cargo things they were talking about too. I think there was a nice little dose of re- it's a video game, I understand, but reality is like, listen, if you go to a corner store and you buy up all their potato chips, um, the next guy coming to the con- the corner store, if he wants potato chips, there's none left to buy. So you have to buy something else if you absolutely want to buy something. You can't just simply have these outposts with unlimited uh, commodities all the time to be able to yeah, consistently yeah. fill up a cat or like the Hercules that's coming out. Like you just can't go to Bezdek and just keep loading up Laranite ad infinitum and then selling it at a huge profit all the time so people are going to have to adjust to that and they were pretty clear on that so there should be no surprises um trolleys are just broken so it was it's a it's a testing that they're they're working with but i mean i don't know if you see cameral's content at all but he's been blowing up spaceships just bumping the trolleys into the into the, Mm -hmm. the lifts and and the gates and everything so don't try to push a trolley onto a ship it's you'll blow up your ship in the hangar so yeah. <laughs> oh and good news though completely unrelated to the scl they were they were a little surprised about the fact that the shields weren't keeping up but just before we come in tonight i was watching a little bit of captain burks and they were testing the new patch um 313m in the ptu and apparently the shields are now keeping up with the ship oh, so that's good. so they seem to have put a fix in for that that is good and um you know the spawn closet stuff the 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 reputation i think is an interesting thing i I won't take everybody's time because i'd like to add something later on but i want to hear what others have to say about stuff that they found interesting in it sure um seagard what do you think um i definitely uh i like the docking of the merlin um, a little disappointed that, that the ship didn't get more of a, an update, as far as we can tell. Uh, they did allude to the fact that not everything is shown in the PTU. They leave some things hidden until they go live. Um, I, so I like the Merlin, definitely. that that um, I liked the, even though it may not come out immediately, I liked seeing the Carrick with the long, you know, uh, docking probe or docking arm attached to it. Oh, um, yeah. I think that looks really cool. Who who did that in the video? Um, I can't remember. Because even even this even this instance of docking doesn't have the when they do launch it in the next you know three thirteen right. dot patch, it won't have that size docking collar on the Correct. on the stations yet. It'll have the larger one, like the hammerhead. Yeah, right? exactly. I wish they would have done the reclaimer at the same time because the reclaimer would be so nice to spawn out in space. Oh yeah, it would be. <laughs> You'd be able to get it into the sky. Yes, exactly. I, actually, I know the trick to that. Now. I do know the trick. <laughs> we also know you know how to get it down real quick too. That's right. <laughs> oh no, that's not the reclaimer that you're so good at downing. It's the <laughs> yeah, it's the Valkyrie. It's the Valkyrie. <laughs> yeah. I put it exactly where I wanted it. Twelve feet under. <laughs> you you buried all the bodies. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what about you, Chekhov? Yeah. So actually, typically I don't like these episodes, but this one was was really good. And the one thing that I you know kind of retract my comments from last week when I said that the DS was a you know useless rock and uh, I guess it was sort of a preliminary comments that was said that 
oh, the laser is the same. I, you know, maybe it's broken, but based on what I heard, uh, a laser is suppo supposed to be more powerful. Uh, it's still yet unknown whether powerful to the point where it's going to crack, uh, you know, bigger rocks than it's doing no, today. It we won't. Don't know that. It, it won't, won't crack. Okay. No, it's got a better range and it's more efficient. Okay. Okay. Well, that's still probably good. Better, so it's more yeah. efficient. And probably one thing. Window. Yeah. So, and, and the other thing they said, which is, I guess, uh, again, uh, speaks to the fact that they designed it for cave play. It's going to reach into places where the regular rock does not. So, I guess it's that extra seat and maybe longer arm. You're going to be able to maybe find those, uh, you know, hidden gems, so to say, in, in, in the cave. So, mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm. Yeah. I. Um, there's not really anything else I have to, to add to that. I, I just thought in general, you know, obviously one of the continuing continual themes, I think we're seeing, you know, the end of this, most of last year and, and into this year is they're designing things that might not seem obvious at the time, what they're going to be used for, but we'll have a, a much more in, important purpose down the road and you know prime example of that with object push and pull you know richard tyra did mention how you know initially the we really don't have a huge purpose for tractor beams right now but it does help us move cargo around but eventually i'm sure that's going to be for like removing components you know and other things like that while we're buying new salvage ships etc mm -hmm. yeah um well, to add to what you're saying about kind of future stuff, um, when you were talking about the reputation, you know, like potential perks and whatnot, um, there was some interesting stuff in there. I, I particularly found um, the points they made about, you know, with, with, with the reputation, you get perks, but it also would unlock the ability to fly different ships for companies. So it gives you an opportunity, for example, like somebody who might want to fly a Caterpillar, for example, um, but doesn't have the means. They didn't pledge for one because they didn't feel like spending that kind of money or they, they've been focusing other things on their in-game purchases eventually. But you can fly, for example, for Kovalex and you'll have a mission where, okay, take this Caterpillar and fly it to wherever, fill it with whatever and come back. And so it gives players an opportunity to explore some other ships that they might not normally have access to. So I, I think that's an interesting thing to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and you, you sort of saw a little bit of that with the Twitch Pacheco mission that they had where, where she would give you a a ship, you know? Yes. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, awesome. So, you know, I think the other thing, you know, we, we mentioned that um, already 313 still in wider PTU. Is it still Wave 1? It's still Wave 1. It's still Wave 1. Oh, my goodness. They're this having is some the major issues one with it. Ever. Yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. rough. Oh, you know, um, actually, uh, can I mention? So, this is a little bit of a subject. You may check off. But uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, uh, this is kind of, uh, I'm just curious about this. So, we all heard that PO is going to be a free for all shortly, right? That's so, what was in the notes. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, exactly. So, Go ahead. 
Well, it kind of, I have sort of a question, so I want to throw it out to everyone to get their opinion, because kind of the thought that I have, all the PVPers are always complaining they don't really have a sort of a gameplay for them because they always left behind. You know, so my thought process mm-hmm. was, I think, you know, if you set up a reputation, a PvP reputation, where if a PvPer sort of attacks, you know, engineers and explorers who have no interest in PvP, and of course their reputation is such, you know, they're actually severely declined in their PvP reputation. And if you put that kind of a sort of mechanic in, that alone will sort of equalize, you know, the, the whole playing field because the griefers will have absolutely no interest going after innocent engineers because they will totally lose their ranking. Mm. You know? So that's kind of what I'm going with this. I don't know what you guys think. Well, I was, I was just curious what people thought about PO's change to a green zone just in general, you know, just given – Given what we talked about in the previous weeks with PvP being already sort of a, a tough point at PO and, and sort of, you know, even just griefing in general, you know, how's this going to change PO? <laughs> what, what do you think, Kenneth? You know what? I'm, I, I have to like, I don't think it's really going to change it much more than what it already, I mean, just outside of PO, there's a fair amount of combat. And if you're kind of careful, you can avoid most of it. Um, and sometimes you just have to, you know, you're coming in from yellow or something because you were mining and you see that there's like, you know, any good pilot, like a, a, an experienced person, or the first thing I tell anybody, like when I have some new players in chat, I'll say, you get anywhere close, you, you come out of QT, the first thing you hit is five. You start spamming five to see if there are any reds. If there are reds, you have to decide, am I going to see if I'm going to get closer? Am I going to turn my ship around and go somewhere else? Um, So I think the only thing that really changed is the proximity to Port Aldosar that you'll be able to engage in that con, from what I can tell, or am Mm. I missing something? I mean, I agree, except the, the main difference being I don't know. For some reason, well, one, PO doesn't have as many guns. Not that the, the guns are effective at no, any of the stations. They're, they're all operated by stormtroopers, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Seaguard? How do you feel about the whole thing? Actually, I'm <clears throat> kind of excited for the opportunity. Um, you know, I had that, you know, logistics um plan to get logistics healthy and we you know we've got a got a couple crews and we've learned some things about how we're going to have to man some ships and uh i'm you know i actually think now the one of the goals we had to do was learn how to actually escape and evade uh what were our procedures going to be and also how to run as a convoy right how are we going to coordinate line up and do all those things Mm -hmm. i think it's a good opportunity uh, for those things. And uh, I think that it would be especially fun if we took the security division and uh, said, hey, you know, bring the hammerhead along. One of, I don't know how many we have. <clears throat> Start escorting our convoys in. And if other people want to join us, I think that would be fine too, right? <clears throat> we could uh, increase our reputation 
as an orc. I mean, that's that's all. Yeah. You know, kind of the way we're structured, lawful things, and we're not picking a fight. We're just there to train and execute. Yeah, I'd say you know, I think it's great. You know, you don't want to be involved in PvP. Stay out of PO, and yeah. that's the bottom line. I think it's for you know, it's just might make the other stations safer. <laughs> Until there's nobody, the thing is, is what we do see on occasion is once a place kind of gets dead, they'll just kind of move around anyway, and then they'll be back at Everest on a night. And you know, uh, to be to be frank, I haven't run into a lot of uh, PvP in in, in 312 at all. I don't think I have engaged in an outside of the org practice session PvP at all. Nobody has attacked me in any ship whatsoever. I don't think I've experienced it either. Maybe so, maybe once. But I have flown into, you know, to Everest Harbor and, and there's like 10 ships fighting out there. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm landing at Lorville. And I just, you know, I'm in a prospector full of Hatternite or not Hatternite, but, you know, Laronite. I, I turn it around and go land at Lorville. <laughs> I stay out of Dodge. Yeah. Think of how boring it would be if you didn't have someone trying to PvP or an AI, right? Right yeah. now we don't have AI, so I mean, um, and they're more challenging, right? Well, I think I think one of the things that has to be discussed is you know we talk a lot about piracy as a gameplay loop, and I think a lot of people equate piracy automatically with PvP. And I think that's a mistake. I think there will be an NPC piracy mechanic in place where you could have, theoretically, a group of players attacking shipping lanes that are NPC shipping lanes. And you don't necessarily have to engage in PvP all the time. And then there's the people that, you know, for lack of a better analogy, want to play World of Tanks in space. And all they want to do is actively fight other people and but the thing is is once everything once there's three four systems um that's going to be you know you you will have trouble running into people eventually so you'll have no choice but to focus a lot of your efforts on really specific areas or engage in a lot more npc play right yeah well and i i would say even if so by then you know we know Cargo is going to be physicalized soon, at least, at least eventually, you know, when AI gets better, when the cannons at the stations get better and the law system gets even more fleshed out, then the PVP will be in places where it's less protected. Actually, you mentioned something, and I'm going to throw this out to Sigurd being the logistics guy. Um, in the SCL, since we're still kind of talking about the SCL, they did mention the physicalization of cargo quite a bit. It was something that was mentioned a lot, be it through the rock, be it everything. The prospect of physicalizing a lot of cargo is in some ways, to me, terrifying. And I think, I don't remember who it was in our org discord was discussing, like, if you were to unload a hull C using an MPUV as it was initially pitched at two SCU a trip, it would take you 10,000 trips mm-hmm. if you're doing it with one. Get like right. just it, like 24 SCU, just even unloading a Nomad or loading a Nomad at 24 or a 66 in a Freelancer, it would be 
a lot of hand bombing. Um, so the idea of, yay, we get to load a Caterpillar by hand is just, uh, no, not for me. Like I could see it on a planet surface. If you're like bringing stuff down to a planet surface where you don't have specific mechanic to be able to unload a ship for you, like a pirate, for example, might be in a situation where they have to hand bomb stuff. But imagine the amount of time you'd have to invest just to unload a big ship. I, I, question, I question the validity of that gameplay. Well, I think it's. I think they're going to give you the choice of auto loading if you're doing it through a legitimate system. Like you're at a station and you don't want to sit there for hours, but I don't think your ship's going to turn around in five minutes and be ready. No, I think I, it's going I, to be a you know probably close to a half a day or something, right? Um, but I do think that it mirrors real life. There are there. Are, tramp steamers and things that are smaller ship or we call them coasties in real life and they often have special gear on them that allows them to self-dock and to self-load and unload and they're smaller ships because they have to go into shallower areas and less maneuverable areas uh, that a big ship couldn't go into and there's a whole industry around this Um, so I think you know I look at like the let's say the Cutlass Black and the Freelancer and the Freelancer Max. And I'm always thinking, where is the tractor beam that's going to allow us to load that, right? Where are, you know, are we going to just have to use hand carts? Um, uh, The only one, the only ships I know that truly have a tractor beam that are cargo ships are the the, um, Caterpillar, right? And And the Cutlass Black, right? Uh, but like the freelancer, I would love to see some kind of like detachable or, you know, raisable, I don't know, crane system, right? That allows you to drag stuff in um, or the ability to carry a forklift, you know, in the vehicle in your last your last load of cargo actually leaves you room for the back end of the forklift plus the load. Right. So you load your loads in and then you pick up your last pallet, go in there and set the blades down and leave the payload or the forklift right there. It's the first thing you unload on a ship. Um, you know, I think all these things are great. I think they, they will be great gameplay and they're going to make ships like a freelancer as valuable in many cases as a whole sea. Right. Well, you're also not going to have the same amount of risk with the freelancer. Correct. Um, the big thing, you know, that I keep thinking about is with, well, one, I think, I don't think they intend for us to unload a whole C, you know, but also, it also makes sense that like a pirate work would need a lot of people to, to pirate a whole C unless you're just going to steal the ship, in which case. Yes, it might make that's... more sense to logistically steal the ship, but that's going to be a harder crime to commit. Exactly, and you know? you're, going to have, you're going to have a chance to defend it in the hallways. As the exactly, crew. so you know, versus them blowing it up <clears throat> and them having to recover everything, you know, it, it seems like it makes a lot more sense for them to, you know, board the ship, you know, disable it, board it, and then you know, repair it. The, the other yeah. thing is they're going to have to pay for their own, whatever they're, they're going to have to do things to make money as pirates to repair their ships and arm their ships yeah. and everything else. Yeah. 
but my point is like for example Chekhov Chekhov is a is a consistent and efficient rock miner right so Chekhov you're mining and so instead of using your tractor beam to to draw in you know the 30 or so um, gems from a broken 80.85 rock you've got to get out of your rock and pick them up individually in your hand Um, that you know for one rock might not seem like a big deal it takes some time but if you had you come into a garden and there's like you know 12 rocks and you realize that every rock i break here i have to pick up by hand that is the equivalent in my mind of of them saying saying you have to load a freelancer by hand they didn't say that would that would be the case no but if you're on a planet you could vacuum, right? But I, I get your your if you're using. I'm using hand, the analogy. The analogy, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Like it, it would be the equivalent of that saying you have to move each individual cargo cargo box from A to B with a tractor beam, is the equivalent of saying get out of your rock and pick up all those gems, your hadnet crystals by hand. Would, yeah. would 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 for example, Chekhov, would you spend as much time mining if you had to pick up every single one of these oh, crystals you, you by hand? Are you kidding me? Uh, absolutely not. I'll tell you even more. The time when when the, it was really rough to mine with the laser, it wasn't scooping anything. I had to. I tried it twice, walk out and pick up the rocks by hand, and I stopped mining, period. I did not get take the rock out for weeks yeah. until they fixed that uh, yeah you're absolutely right would never so, do that so that's my concern it's just like it seems sexy kind of like yeah everything's physicalized until i used to work in a grocery store and the truck had come in the wilson truck and we had jacks and it'd take like an hour to, to unload the thing onto the jacks and then it would take another two hours to unload the skids into the aisles of the grocery store to to and then you know it was our job that's what we were working at yeah. but i don't know if i want to do that as a video game Right now, I I don't yeah. I, I don't know if you've driven through the cargo, um, the actual cargo arm of the stations. Yeah, well, you know they're racked with groups of um, big boxes, you know, shipping, stuff. yeah, shipping containers and stuff like that. And I actually used to work on a well, I, I won't say used to. I have worked on a ship on a um, on the docks in Bremerhaven, Germany, loading ships for Desert Storm, and. Um, it, it, the techniques are there to to do things very quickly, but there is quite a bit of positioning of things on the dock. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, like if I think if you're a hull C, let's say you use a let's say a freelancer, you might take your cargo and put it in three different groupings to go to three different planets, and your first stop will be the one that's towards the the door first, so you can dump it out. <laughs> Right first, yeah, and you go to the second one and the third one. Um, instead of right now, we just kind of run all over and do whatever we want. I think a whole sea in them, which are more in line with a real freighter, I think huh. they are going to be port to port. You just you just brought back the terrible memories of the pickup of the, of the transport showing up to the grocery store, and our load is at the end, and there's two other store oh, loads yeah. before it. So you'd have to unload everybody else's stuff to get to your stuff, and then reload yeah. everybody oh, else's stuff. Goodness. So three hours later, you're like, "All right, I'm done." Yeah, no, it's it's horrible, and I, right. I think that you know the maritime the maritime method is is very sophisticated. They can move those mill vans around and stack them and. We had groups that would just do that, and at night we just load stuff on. That's what we did. Um, I think. 
So I think that'll be a lot of that'll be automated. I, I do too. But and the other thing that we keep forgetting is that like right now we're basing the SCU as the one SCU cargo box, but just because we can have one SCU cargo box. If you remember back when we saw the mission where the Starfarer was all um, destroyed and you had to pick up things for Miles Eckhart, and there were actually big cargo boxes in there filled with little cargo boxes. So if it's all going to be one thing of cargo, one type of cargo, then at least for the smaller ships, I'm not even talking, I'm not talking about the, the whole C or, or E or, you know, any of the big holes. Obviously, those are just huge, and I, I, I do recall a lot of the promotional material you saw with them. The crates actually had almost like propulsion of their own. Mm-hmm. Does anyone remember seeing those? Yeah, I do. They had like a handle you could lock in and move no, them around. No, that. Like an anti-grav. Yeah, like they, were, they would be floating. It would be so like a whole C. Obviously, you're never going to unload a whole C. On planet, it, first of all, it'd be a possible land. Second of all, I think the reason why a whole sea can work is that the crates have special propulsion that allows them to move the larger crates to that that exterior docking area. You know, the exterior cargo area, and so it'll still take time because you know, obviously that that's always going to take time. But I think I think that's the saving grace that. In those instances, you might not have to do that. But once again, it still brings up, but that's not what's going to happen for pirates. <laughs> so they may end up attacking smaller ships. Because logistically, they won't want to try to unload bigger ships. Yeah, unless they're going to be able to steal it, like we were talking about before. Now, what's the, It'll what's be the interesting tow truck? See. What's the tow truck ship? The Argo? Uh, two, two SCU. Two SCU. Could you... No, I meant the, there's the one no, that's the SRV. Like, SRV. Oh, the SRV, sorry. Yeah, yeah they might be able, actually, they can tow cargo with that for sure. Yeah, and I would think it. that would be, you know, pretty big chunks, maybe the size of a freelancer you could tow. Yeah, you, uh, you should be able out. to, they said several cargo boxes, the larger yeah. cargo crates. Yeah, so, so that would that. be another way to, to get in there and just drag it out of the ship. Then again, let's stop giving pirates ideas now. <laughs> Well, I'm just thinking of remember last year at the UEA, the um, oh geez, I forget his name, the Top Gear guy, um, oh, um, oh, yeah. Jax McCleary. Jax McCleary, when he was sitting in the Nomad's cargo bay watching uh, Buddy hand bomb a Nomad, <laughs> yep. it, it, they look like, he looked like he was loving every second of it. No, that's only my concern is they talk about it like with all this fervor and I hope there's some kind of system put into place to not make it to, to avoid tedium of like, I'm all for preparing. I'm all for physicalized. I'm all for thinking ahead and all that, but I don't know if a lo- it might turn a lot of people off if they end up logging in on a Saturday, they've got three hours to play with their friends and they spend two and a half of those hours hand bombing boxes into a ship <laughs> to haul somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah no, I agree. So no, I it's just, a, it's, you have to just, it, so at CIG, if you, if anybody does listen from CIG, you know, just be careful, please. I think this is why they, they want to make the landing zones and the other locations that you might have that much more dynamic to be in because the cargo timers will be real. And 
while it's all physicalized, that's to say that it's interactable, it's real, it could be moved both manually and, you know, via some sort of automation. But I could imagine if we're landing a ship at one of the small outposts, you know, you probably have to manually load and unload there. You know, you might have a skiff or something like that. So I think that'll, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that because in an instance like that, you might be resupplying the place with everything. And so you, you might not have big boxes of everything. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, Just just as a quick story, true story. Of course. On my, on a, on, I was writing tanks as a much younger man. I made the mistake of uh, ticking off one of the supply sergeants and uh, I needed oil for my tank. And and we took like 24 gallons of oil uh, per vehicle. It, It was quite a lot. I think it's like 20, yeah, 20 something. It's, it's quite a lot. And this guy brought me oil in pint cans. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have to fill the whole thing, but it's like, really? Really? It's like KP <laughs> duty for oil. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're killing me. So that's my little <laughs> logistic story for the day. All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to sidetrack everything so long, but. No, that just thought, I think it, oh, no. I think it's an important point to kind of look at. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Especially with our logistics guy here. Yeah. A hundred percent. Another thing that that happened this week, um, and I did not put detailed notes about this, but there were a few things that stuck stood out to me. Um, was the monthly reports um, the a couple features that I found interesting? Um, one, they did mention effort being put into a good star map. So oh. <laughs> that's one that was really exciting. Um, <laughs> in, in, me, in, game, in game star map versus the menu. Yeah. The arc, the arc is awesome. Yeah. That's the in game star map. Yeah. Uh, in game star map. Yes. Um, because obviously that's still, kind of, I think it's flash based and they're moving it to building blocks. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was great was uh, we did get a look at some of the cloud tech. You could see it in the monthly report. Uh, did anyone else get a chance to read the monthly report? Canuck, did you did you catch yeah, anything from it? I went through it, and I think the, like of you know, there's you a, like I, I mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been doing this for eight years, man. <laughs> but um, you know, like there's some interesting stuff. Like you read about it, and you know it's all background stuff, like the audio stuff and the art. Like there are still audio issues that I think need to be looked at and it's good that they're taking a look at it you know when you're hearing wind all the time no matter where you are or oh, normalizing normalizing sound effects it's it sounds like you know guys come on but it's it's stuff that has to be worked on but i, I mean to keep it i don't want to keep it positive i really did think that the cloud tech looks really nice and i i, I have to say if they if they said listen guys for 314 we're putting everything on hold and the only thing we're going to do is do a map update i'd be like yeah i'm game you know what don't put anything in just 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 fix the map and i'll be happy because <laughs> yeah, yeah. the map is so unwieldy and and glitchy and how many times you have to hit you know, separate keys and buttons and try all kinds of things to get it to work. So I, I would love it, and I'm happy that they're going to fix it. That's very, very good news. Well, especially when we get to the roadmap, I think there's one thing that really jumped out to me that made me um, almost want to cry with joy. Oh, um, I, I, I'm going to 
I, I there's a couple in there too. I'm excited about. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, this is, this is why my name is what it is. Um, what about you, Seagard? Did you check out either of the? Um... Uh, I, I watched. Uh, I didn't watch any of. The, I didn't read any of the reports this week. I was too busy working on the other stuff. And but by the way, as I was talking, um, Nubafire uploaded his recap of uh, the report. So, oh no, he yeah, did it five days I, ago. I just didn't notice. <laughs> Never mind. I I did watch the videos, and uh, and the videos were awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I was pleased to see that they were physicalizing the um, cargo. I was pleased to see they were working on the map. I've been I've been really pleased with the work that the lore team has been putting out. I mean, there's been more stuff today. I just saw what is it? Um, Give from Baba, yeah, mm-hmm. from Baba. Um, oh, they're putting out a new serialized story, eh? Yeah, and I've been because I've been also been studying some of the moons, trying to figure out some uh, goals or like you know our daily events, you know, some options. Um, I you know I uh, I like the stuff that they do, and I you know I it frustrates me probably not as much as they get frustrated when someone says, "Oh, there's no content here." You know, go back and look last year at March. And see where we were in March. You didn't have a rock. You didn't have any of that stuff, right? I mean, they're they're taking big chunks. It just you know it's not fast, but it's, it's the nature of the beast. It's coming. You know, it really is. So, okay, I'm off my soapbox. Yay! See, <laughs> well, listen, maybe those people check should go play Elite Dangerous with those cartoonish characters. That <laughs> Elite yeah. Dangerous. Oh. Yeah, I mean. It, it's just different art style. I think more cartoony is No Man's Sky. It's also yeah, that that's is, even um, more. When I when I say cartoony, it's like what I meant is it was they were all raving about Odyssey and you know it's a Star Citizen killer. I mean, yeah, they're just it's, it's in the same. Not it's, really you know, it's a different. It's a different type of game. Geeky can back me up on this one though. What Elite Elite Dangerous? I've played only about five hours. It is actually there are some wonderful stuff in Elite Dangerous. So I'm not one of these either-or guys. But Geeky can back me up on this. Odyssey expansion is what Star Citizen's initial concept for ground yeah. was was before they decided to go full planets. Because they were supposed to just do loading landing zones, mm-hmm. and they were supposed to just on do rails. specific areas on rails. And that's what Elite Dan- uh, sorry, that's what ED decided to do with Odyssey. So their implementation for what they're aiming for is quite good. Um, but initially, that's what Star Citizen was supposed to be. If I, unless unless I missed a memo somewhere. Nope. Yeah. All those funding yeah. goals getting knocked out of the water, and then discovering that they can do the tech um, in a way that was scalable, um, really changed yep. things for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, and finding out that people are willing to pay, you know, thousands of dollars to <laughs> You know, that's the thing what really did it. Two hundred million dollars to fly around an empty planet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but I doubt that they have the level of like ballistic tracking and you know interaction with the wind and uh, you know it's more in the standard convention of I would say in the conventional gaming sense versus. But I, have you played edge. a little? Have you played a little bit of the VD? Uh, no, I've, I've played it in the past, and it wasn't bad. I, I just couldn't figure out how to view the ships, and I couldn't no, understand yeah. the, the scale of the ships. Yeah. Um, so it didn't the take co- off with me. The cockpit experience is 
top notch. Good. Like the ease of use to get to your H, your HUDs and your different panels and everything. It's it's really well done, and their star map is good. And so, you know, I like it when games borrow from each other. And if Star Citizen yeah, yeah. can, can I, pay homage <laughs> to a yeah, few things that ED has done, it would it would only benefit Star Citizen. Yeah, yeah. But can I tell you something? These games are so complex, and thoroughly to thoroughly enjoy them, you have to invest time. I personally don't have that much time to invest. You know, uh, from my real life to to more than one complex game to truly enjoy it. That's why I don't want to bother picking another one up. Because oh, yeah, I, I try to like it, but I just don't have the time. One hundred percent agree. I agree. Um, so then, check off. I think it's time for your favorite section. Well, oh, finally, I've been waiting. I actually have something for science. Oh. Uh, Sorry, wrong one. Oh, wrong Is one. It, oh, roadmap. Are we doing roadmap? Yeah. Or? All right. Uh, yeah, roadmap. Sorry, can't do roadmap. Carrying uh, lots of lots of mineables. And that's fine. Very I have. Here. Yeah. Maybe, I have. Maybe, maybe, maybe Canoe can take this one on. I have. Do you have a synopsis. song for roadmap? Do you have a song? Is there the a transition roadmap. song? Um. Well, I'll just quickly jump into the roundup, and then we could talk about some of the things that that popped up that I think were really, you know, were really exciting. There's one that I just really want to talk about. But um, first of all, this last week's roadmap update did a couple things. Um, one, it added a bunch of new features to the roadmap. So, um, mm. you know, with the deliverables view, you could sort by. I mean, with the progress tracker, you can now sort by deliverable rather than uh, by team, so you can see every deliverable in the game as a view. Um, you could search finally. You could sort and filter. Um, they added a new section uh, next to the description uh, on d- deliverables, so that you can actually click in there and see the deliverables in the progress tracker, etc. Um, so that was cool. Um, and then some of the changes uh, that you'll see. So. Uh, on the progress tracker, the physics team, uh, they're reevaluating the, the physics team schedule. So three deliverables were temporarily removed from the progress tracker. Um, physical quantum travel movement, phys area refract- refactoring, and water physics, large object buoyancy. Um, they also removed from the mission feature team um, temporarily uh, for higher priority features the grim hex racing sorry check off prisons version three (laughs) dynamic population and unfortunately bounty hunting version two so those were temporarily removed um the uspu feature gameplay feature team they also temporarily removed the mission manager app org perks and benefits and notification system tier zero now, that being said, they added three things that they felt were higher priority for the USPU team that I absolutely positively agree with. 100%. Drum roll. Here it comes. Uh, selling. So the ability to sell items back yeah. to shops. Um, yeah. So anything that you have in your local inventory, being able to actually sell those things. So if you steal extra guns, you can now sell those things. So now you're 
your missions where you're, you know, pew, 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 you can actually take those weapons, sell them back, um, get money for them. I think that's cool. Um, also, if you accidentally buy too many, you know, that, that could be good too. Um, persistent hangers. So the work going into the game to give us our own persistent hangers in the verse, which will also allow us to, you know, that'll be changing the cargo gameplay loop by allowing us to actually pack our own grids manually. So that is I exciting. Would, I want to see if they can make that cot. You can log out at the, on the cot. Oh, I'm sure. I would love I'm to sure wake up in my hangar. That would be a blast. Yeah. And then last but not least, per- persistent habs. Mm-hmm. So um, very excited. And then the uh, they did remove the uh, devs tool team. A tools team because the um, team's been split into two teams. It's the tools team now and the editor team. So now they've been split into two teams. And in addition to that, they added 20 teams to the roadmap. So the 20 teams that they've added are AI content team, AI tech and feature team, audio, character art and tech team, cinematics team, EUPU gameplay feature team, facial animation team, the fire sprite team. So we're, we actually see um, Theaters of War on the roadmap now. Uh, gameplay story, uh, lighting team, location concept art, modular MTL, motion capture team, narrative, props team, Squadron 42 feature team, tech animation team, UI feature team, UI tech team, and VFX. Um, they also added the Rock DS to the um, progress tracker, um, the persistent streaming and server meshing. Uh, so as they, I'm just going to read what they said, cause I'm not going to try and synthesize it while I'm reading it at the same time. Uh, as this deliverable continues to make progress, we are more able to accurately define tasks required in the short term that are needed for its completion. Therefore, new deliverables have been added to both the network team and the persistent tech team to represent this. Um, and then on re- release view, um, you know, they, they they just wanted to remind us all that, you know, um, 313.x is where we're going to be seeing the Tonk, ship to station docking, mission spawn closets, uh, Crusader M2 and C2. Um, and last but not least, the uh, Rock DS was added to the release view. Um, they did say that new quarters will be added within, you know, the coming weeks um, so that as they're rolling off of this next patch, they'll be adding the subsequent patch at the end uh, of the roadmap. So good stuff. What, you know, I, I have one particular thing that I'm excited about, but I don't care if, if someone spoils it. So Canuck, what do you think about the roadmap? Anything jump out All to right. you that's super so, exciting? So I made some notes. I'm going to fly through them. So, yeah, what I noticed about the the 20 teams that they added, a lot of the stuff is downstream stuff, which yeah. is which is stuff that's not just like the really superficial stuff, but the stuff we see further on down the road. So it kind of gives us a better sense if if they maintain that of seeing where they're going, which is nice. Um, the roadmap functionality that you mentioned, it's you know Chekhov I think would be happy. It's kind of niche. It's mostly not. I mean, obviously, not a lot of people really go dig into the roadmap unless they really want to see the information. So it's like, it's, but it's specialized. I mean, you, you check off, you guys are doing 
a podcast. This is, you know, it's part of your thing and it's from your interests, right? So it's nice for you guys. Um, obviously, I think the most, for me, the most disappointing thing that was removed from there is the org perks that they were planning. Uh, I think yeah, I would like yeah. to see some more functionality for orgs. We talked about it. I think I was on when we talked about better uh, friends list uh, sorting to be able to have org mates versus friends, I think. So, you know, org perks. So they're kind of putting orgs on the back burner. But I think it's probably because they know that a lot of orgs are self-organizational. We figure stuff out because we're a lot of smart people that are doing a lot of things. And a lot of us are experienced organizing things. So we, we can work around a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Grim Hex is a big loss. I, I, I actually see Grim Hex racing as being problematic in the sense of those races being interrupted by a lot of people who are just trying to, you know, ruin somebody's day. Um, selling is huge, I think. I, I, I think, and loot. I think people, you know, have to be careful with loot, though. I mean, you know, you mentioned picking up guns. If you're running down a hallway and we're into itemized uh, inventory, you can't pick up seven guns. You know, you'll be able to pick up one and sell that gun. The persistent hangers is, is cool. It's it's awesome. Uh, and, and as long as we maintain our persistent items, that'll be great. None of that's till November, I think, though. Um, I think the physics thing is 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 telling though i think they've come to realization that they're having a lot more issues with their physics than they would like to really want um they're still having a lot of issues with physics grids cargo grids uh ships bouncing in hangars um vehicles ground vehicles just being destroyed by the ground driving them uh there's a lot of issues with the physical interaction uh a lot of ships vehicles don't have mass uh, so I think they're trying to sort out a lot of the physics issues. So it's good, I think, that they've put aside some of the physics stuff because I think they have to sort out. I don't know if it's Lumberyard that's just problematic or if they've got some wonky spreadsheets. I'm not a programmer. so I. I but I think there's a realization that, guys, we got to sort some of this physics stuff out before we start building more physics into a problematic physics engine. But for the most part, the stuff that was removed, I'm I'm pretty cool with it, and the stuff that was added, like the persistent stuff, is is really good. It'll really give you a sense of place, I think, in in the PU, which I think is big. So that's yeah. my yeah. my thing, my my look on that one. Um, any anyone else get a chance to look at the road app? I did um, not. I kind of. Uh looked at it but not uh, in depth and then analyze check to the extent that you did I look at world map i see world map it's there i see it's there it's good <laughs> it's good it's a good roadmap <laughs> it's a good roadmap we like we like roadmap it, uh, it lead me somewhere yeah, yeah it's gonna it's gonna be good at the at the end of the tunnel it, it's all gonna be good the only at thing the i gotta say point. and i always say it you know, this, you know, I just wish most of the final releases would be just as enjoyable as this alpha and would have as much prog progress as this alpha is giving us. So that's mm -hmm. the only thing I got to say. And allowed me to make 130K while doing the podcast at the same time. Still <laughs> the most profitable 
a little game at this point, as far as I know, rock mining. Yeah. Anyway, not to digress off the subject. So, Canuck, did you did you intentionally leave out what you thought was my favorite thing, or did you just not care about it as much as I do? I, I got a sense of what I, I don't. I'm going to let you have your. <laughs> so, the number one thing that I was excited about was an item and i stumbled upon it because i was just perusing the roadmap who's typing feverishly uh it's me sorry oh <laughs> mechanical that's that's that those are red uh, switches you sounded like the man in the chair you know the man in the chair and i got a new chair today too so oh excellent and robotic yeah. fingers nice. um so the thing that excited me the most comes at the end of the year and it's called long distance probing Yep. Is that what you thought it was? Oh, yeah. Yep. By the way, I'm sorry. I agree with you 100%. That actually got me excited about exploration, which yeah. I never was. Yep. So for those who didn't read the roadmap, it, I, you can hear the smile in my voice right now. Um, this feature will allow players to launch quantum traveling probes that can detect signatures at extreme ranges far beyond the reach of ship scanners. The signatures can ultimately be used to identify point of interest and plan quantum travel. The first major vestiges of exploration is what this is. And it also screams to like, come on, do we not think that this has something to do with potentially jump points and new, new systems to travel to? I'm glad you read it guess. first because I was really thinking like, Medical play, proctology, <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> that's, an, that's the other thing that I found interesting is, speaking of medical play, the hospitals are being built really fast. They have the all the hospitals been added to the roadmap. Um, and another thing that they added was um, filling out the landing zones. I can't remember if this was in the the weekly update or if it was in the project progress tracker, but you know, we see all these, these rooms that don't open yet, or, you know, like I always think of new Babbage has all those different office building doors and stuff that um, those could be places to go interact with mission givers, get, you know, get reputation with different companies, take on missions, whether they're delivery or not, and things that could span more than just, you know, the average mission. So but that super excited me. I mean, Chekhov, it sounds like you, yeah. you read this too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was just funny. I was just talking about it before we started the podcast because I didn't really care too much about exploration. But that kind of opened up my mind. That's very Star Trek-ish. You know, it just opens like a whole host of possibilities. You know, now you can, I could see, you know, you're launching a probe and you're analyzing like what is there, you know, now you have to evaluate how far is it. What is Standing it going to take map. to get there? Right, yeah, you, you know, what kind of crew will I need? You know, all the logistics come into play, you know. Yeah, this yeah. is cool stuff. I, I think it's it's in my notes here. It's actually all, it's all capped. It was my last point. Long distance probe exploration, woot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're mentioning jump points and stuff. And I think even before you kind of go in with your jump points, um, because jump points would kind of imply that we have other systems to go to. And I don't think yeah. we'll be seeing Pyro this year. No, probably Q1 of next year. Uh, that's, that's what my guess would be. Um, but 
that said is they could now initially i was thinking maybe something like scannables like you send out a probe and it might be able to track down a point of interest be it like an asteroid field that you can mine or something but in the scl they were talking about having issues with the asteroids that they have to sort out before they could make them mineable again um so there's a few blockers i think to be able to do that but that could be a, a pretty a pretty easy first iteration is they could have some stations floating like some satellites some comsats or something floating around that are abandoned that have a loot locker potential or something in there and, and you could yeah. discover them and go to them or some mineable asteroid fields or something or like just one really big mineable asteroid you track it down and then you, you now you have a uh, now you have something to quantum to and even even if you can just launch a probe and say send out a probe for like you know one million kilometers and just have it parked there and then that could be a jump destination yeah and then you exactly. could at least park there and and that gives you an element of safety in in the in the verse as, as opposed to you know always being stuck in the shipping lanes as it were yeah if you have a ship that you you know your orc can have like a cute a few quantum beacons that you could use and and you kind of use those as little safe spots that you can kind of park at and then whatever the UI ends up looking like, depending on how involved or engaged your exploration and scanning turns into. I've never scanned in Elite Dangerous, for example, but I've done a lot of scanning in EVE Online, and it's it's pretty involved. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine, like, here comes the use for these map tables and um, everything yes. else. And I would imagine, I bet you... Like this could be as simple as, you know, like we could still, like, this just in it turns, it turns our. Is everyone enjoying your birthday? That's Anna? not is me. That oh, okay. I was curious. Not I just me. thought it was funny if it's fine. I just thought it was funny if it was your your family like just like enjoying your birthday and you're sitting here like it's my birthday no. and I'm on my podcast. Friend. My wife's. I turned on my. Uh... My noise cancellation tonight because <laughs> my kids my kids and my wife are in the other room watching tv and chatting and making coffee and stuff but Those they're, being, my they're being quiet for me tonight no mine are <laughs> at least we don't have to censor them out you know <laughs> when we don't have to do that then that's okay um yeah i i would i would say also like I feel like it's a way for us to now actually engage in larger, bigger picture operations. Like you said, like how many, you know, how many minutes, uh, uh, I guess, how fast do you think cigarette can type? That sounds mm, like I'm about sorry. 45. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> He's in HR chat right now. I can tell you that. But you know what, to be like, to kind of build on what you're saying, exploration mechanic is important specifically for something like our organization yeah because it is one of the major tenets of what we would like to do yeah and so you know and us, all of our activities really us we're excited about it you know like almost everybody in our org would be like yeah exploration awesome whereas some other people are like you know just i want to be able to fill up my cargo ship and and sell you know 
print money essentially or like hey i don't care how much money i make if i can go out exploring yeah but it'd be nice <laughs> well yeah i mean not you know i would say obviously not exploring empty space well you know it's gotta be a game loop there you know well I'd that's like a good to... question then for you guys should exploration gameplay necessarily be profitable i think it will but should it not necessarily profitable but interesting I, I'll take well. It has to be one of the two, either profitable or interesting. Well, it I should could, be able to find something. If you're bringing back cargo from an ancient civilization or from an ancient shipwreck or from, you know, gifts from meeting other peoples, that's profit, right? Yeah, jump points. Um... The mapping, the mapping of pro, like uh, information, data information. That you might want to hold to yourself or to the org. Well, yeah, well, yeah you can sell it for a profit, but I can see your point. You might want to hold it for business potential, yeah. exploitation. Because you think, in the strictest sense of like exploration, for example, even today, you need sponsors and you need outside financiers, financers to, you know, finance an exploration expedition. Um, that may or may not, in the end, turn out to be profitable or not. Yeah, but I, I do think, like, you know, but I like Chekhov. Of, yeah, one of as long things, as it's interesting, it's okay. Yeah, sorry, I, I agree. Oh, that's all right. I, agree. I think I got some audio lag. Oh, that's okay. Um, I agree. I would say l the one thing that we also have to think about is the fact that exploration is also something like cartography and so like the icc that's going to probably be one of our main mission givers you know tessa banista um so that's a way we can potentially make profit and then also keeping more um locales like you said like if we find salvageable wrecks or any other phenomena you know gas pocket then we can use our crew to go get it unless it doesn't make sense because it's too far out or it's going to be too involved then yeah. we could always sell it I think charting is really that that I'm really excited about. If yeah. you can chart the new parts of the system, you know, uh, you know, here's what I found. Here's the you know coordinates. You know, we got some whatever quantum or some kind of exotic mineable or w whatever else, some harvestable that you can't find anywhere or or you know animals or creatures, whatever the case is. But being able to chart it. I mean, that would be, and then obviously save it in your bank as data, protect it, you know, then your, your data could be sort of uh, attacked by pirates, you know, so those kind of game loops are cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, does anyone else want to comment on that topic before we move on? All right, well, you know, Given that we're talking about exploration, I think we all know what time it is. Finally. I it's finally forgot time. Everything. Yeah, thank God I, I still remember. At least something. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the music? It's playing right now. It's playing. Oh. You don't hear it? 
no. Well, I hear it. It's just Chekhov's grumbling oh, over it. <laughs> Where's something. the music? I can't hear it over my aggression. I am, <laughs> I was stuck on the rock here. Flavius was helping me out. So. Well, uh, as as you should know by now, but if you're new to the podcast, this is for science, where we talk about what we did in the name of science this past week. Canuck, anything come to mind in the name of science? Um, actually, this week, most of my sciencing was, you know, out of game. It was, I just, I felt there was a lot coming out this, and, and I spent a lot of time just rewatching some stuff and parsing some things. So my, my four science moments were, spent a lot of time in the SCL and in the roadmap and stuff like that, even before I knew I was coming on. Um, Cause it's one of those big quarterly things. Yeah. So, so that's what my four science was. This, my other stuff was just regular gameplay. Awesome. That's great. I, you know, I was just thinking about it, N- nothing to do with science, but once we get back to the co- regular scheduled content, we're going to start seeing a lot more of like, Orison and some of the things that excite me about the next patch. I'm just getting excited. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is like, let's let's wait for three thirteen to come up before I start. You know, wanting. Like, listen, I'm going to get ahead of myself, like I always do. Um, what about you, Seagard? What have you done in the name of science? You, it, uh, you know, uh, not a whole lot. I did. Uh, you know, I guess the closest thing was I did some more research on comms. And, uh, you know, this, I looked at some of the older documents and some of the older data, and it looks like it's um, ranges for communication for proximity are 60 meters. And it looks like a party should be able to talk between two ships uh, out to 500 meters. But once they separate beyond 500, they become two separate components, basically. I need to go in and re-verify that that's still the case, but that's what it was a few patches back. Um, but you know, I can't stress enough how... I, I think it's a great gameplay. I really think it's great. So Yeah. Awesome. Um, Mr. Chekhov, you, oh, you seem to have a lot to say. So far, Well, first, uh, this is more of a tip. I guess it sort of belongs for science, but I feel I should kind of give it to those people that don't know it. So I always had an issue every time I finished mining with a rock and like a good star citizen, I put it away on BESDAC, right, by requesting a landing. When I come back, I get one of those red X's and I can't recover it. So I have to go to the another planet to get it. So the workaround, if you really cannot store the rock, Unfortunately, you have to destroy it, and then it's always available to you back at where you need it uh, on any planet by claiming it. And it is very, very inexpensive to claim. So uh, that that's kind of uh, a quick tip. Now, what we really did for science is we finally tested out the sniper play. So I had a, a ATSCO rifle, uh, energy rifle, and what I found is that we can actually shoot somebody in the head at least a thousand meters away, one shot kill. Uh, we, we tried it, it worked. Now you can hide behind the rocks and that will protect you. And it's very much harder to hit the target, but the scope that it comes with, it only gives you a range within 200 meters. 
So I recommend switching out to the Behringer scope, the one that actually comes on the Gemini rifle, and that gives you two to the meter, the exact um, you know range. So you could really get more accurate. And of course, don't forget to press the shift because that prevents you from breathing and then you become extremely accurate. So I got to say, Sniper Rifle is very exciting and very accurate play. Now, can one I, more thing. We can I add just, one, one more piece yeah. in to give you some relevance there? So Bloody Badger was also working um, with snipers and with camouflage. Um, so... Between him and Snorkel, they did some pre-work to say, how far can you see in the game with your naked eye, uh, basically with a target up against the side of a hill? Um, you know, you never work, walk on top of the hill in the military. He's ex-military. And so we did uh, kind of the base of the hill, or they did base of the hill. Looks like uh, basically they found that at 268 meters, the target, a human target, is one pixel. With your uh, with your eye or unaugmented sights, your iron sights, right? So for people pulling security, you are going to be vulnerable to that sniper sitting at a thousand meters away. Wow. I mean, it's good to know because it gives. I mean, it does vary the gameplay, but it also means like you need to be scouting and and looking yeah, out at, in right. like dangerous areas, especially with yeah, the scopes being that much better. But, but but the most exciting thing about our test was is that what what the really AppScope offers you is one shot four kills, and we actually accomplished that too. Because being it's an energy sniper rifle, as long as the players are standing within close proximity of each other, they will all die with one shot. So that was really cool. And what type of armor were you shooting at? Were you shooting at this ADP armor? Uh, they all have various armors. Not not everybody died, but everybody got severely injured, depending on the proximity of the um, you know uh, where I guess to the target. Uh, yeah, to the to, to the to the original target they were standing. So does that what you're saying, Seagard? If you're seeing out, we're going to call it two fifty meters. Um, if you're seeing out to 250 meters, reasonably to 200, then would that kind of imply that if they want to kind of balance out to not have snipers be over over powerful, they would have to kind of bring in some kind of binocular or scanning method over distances, so that if you're like at an outpost, for example, you got to be able to scan the horizon with something better than your eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That is absolutely true, but in real life, I mean, this is this is the nature of it, right? A sniper is there to. <laughs> uh, lucky, I haven't been shot at personally. Uh, I've had things go near me, but yeah, he will eat your lunch once you get inside of his kill range. Um, you can't well, move fast enough towards him, and you can't move away from him fast enough to get out of his range uh, before being exhausted. So. It means that they're a threat, but I think um, you'll have to supplement them, like you said, with optics. Vehicle optics, example, might be one of those methods, mm -hmm. right? Um, well, rifles, I, I, rifles will not be the way to do it, regular rifles. No, because currently I use eight times scope. I land when I'm looking for resources. I'll land 
pull out my 8x scope rifle and I'll use that as a binocular, a binocular, a monocular rather as a scope to see, to scan up to eight times further for resources. So I guess in the meantime, your workaround would be to use sniper rifles to scope further. Yeah. The sniper, your sniper can actually be defensive also, right? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, just solid techniques of being aware of your surroundings, um, going to places that aren't popular. Um, you know, uh, what they did find, though, was they, correct me if I'm wrong, Chekhov, you weren't able to shoot into a, a free or a weapons free zone? Yeah, so, yeah, you cannot shoot into the armistice zone. Uh, there's no, you cannot shoot into it. But uh, I w- one thing I have to say that Gemini with that Behringer scope is an incredible rifle. It is so accurate. Uh, but uh, and it really uh, and and you can you know shield yourself by hiding behind a rock. Now when you're shooting someone, you actually don't see the rock. You see them, and then we were wondering, well, why why aren't you dying? But in fact, because we were you know obviously communicating said, well, I'm, I'm behind the rock. And that's how, uh, like, Storko wasn't able to shoot me because I was hiding behind a rock. Oh, so well, the object didn't even stream in yet. Yeah, well, it was really too far away. Yeah, yeah. could could not. It, it, it was, it, it never streamed in. To me, so for, so like, the oh, render never happened. You, yeah, render You were there by happened. the rock, and, and it was there for you. But for the person at distance, the, the rock didn't render. Correct, correct. And um, uh, I think it was a similar situation when we did it up on the hill. Yeah, I mean, definitely we're going to do some more experimenting because it's a really exciting gameplay. Well, that's something that I have absolutely demonstrated through my testing. Um, A lot of us spend a lot of time looking for rare harvestables in our ships flying slowly, but even being... 40, 50 meters above the ground, um, the harvestables are too small. They will not render. Like a heart of the oak and, and the big trees, fine. But mm-hmm. berries, uh, prota, and I suspect the new one that's going to come with 313, I, I forget the name, I'm sorry. Um, those are going to be ground-only discoverable uh, harvestables just simply because of just the engine. It, it just won't render them unless you're close enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't wait to them for them to actually introduce binoc- binoculars. Yeah, the the other thing that's um, um, two things that also came out of that. I'm just going to dovetail in on, and add some things that were talked about. Uh, one was Chekhov. You said um, you and Snorkel were saying uh, who was it? it? Was Snorkel with Snorkel was actually working with um, um, Badger, but. Uh, when you guys were talking, you were talking about being able to see the flash of the um, of the Russian electron gun, right? Electron Yabarov or Yakarov? Was it Yakazi? Yubarov. Yeah. Yubarov. Yeah. You were. I guess they were able to see that flash. Is that right, Chekhov? Ah, uh, yes, yes, yeah. The, you see the little flash because it's energy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that I also heard that the camouflage actually seemed to work fairly well, especially when you got in closer. Um, brush definitely gets in the way, and the camouflage blends you in better. 
Um, and those types of things, it does break up your, your appearance, which is the big giveaway motion and, uh, regular lines to help identify targets in real life. So, yep. Um, yeah. I'm wearing, I'm wearing my, uh, camouflage pajamas as we speak. There you go. Um, so we, uh, we also got a couple of questions, not many this week, but that's fine. I knew it would be a little bit longer episode with the roadmap and everything. Um, so first question comes to us from discord and it's from Cthulhu's disciple, which I believe that's bloody badger. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same, same name, different name in discord. Um, but, uh, well, not in our, our discord, but for some reason in readcast, it's showing up that way. Um, and he asks a couple of questions. He says, uh, actually four, uh, your favorite number. Canuck. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> when do we think we will get NPC crews? When do you think Canuck? I, I think I personally think that we'll end up with blades before we end up with crews. The they're having a lot of challenges with their like like let's face it, the NPCs are still you know stacking on and piling on to each other. There's some server issues, obviously, with performance, and the more NPCs you put doing stuff on your server, the more it'll hurt. So all of a sudden, if you've got all these people spawning NPC crews uh, in the current version of the game, it'll take a pretty big hit. So I'm going to say. There's a better chance of getting blades in before NPC crews. That's because, actually the blades are actually on the roadmap. Yeah, because NPC requires quite a few extra little things to make it work nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so I wouldn't see it before 18 months, if not longer. I 100% agree. Um, what about you, Seagard? Uh, the question was about NPC AI, yeah, we right? We think we'll be able to, yeah, hire yeah. NPC crews. Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be that long, too. I do. I really yeah. do. Yeah, same here. Mathematics, I mean, uh, AI is always very challenging, and this is a very complex AI. A lot of moving pieces that they have to react to, you know, to, to really, you know, to be up to par, up to star citizen par. I mean, you can plug in any AI. It'll be just a, what I would say, stupid, you know, NPC. But you want it to really bring some value into your gameplay. It will take a while. Right? Yeah. I don't think, and, and you know, we, we talk about server meshing all the time as, like, the big, like, thing. Let's remember, server meshing is going to be tier one or tier zero when it first goes live. It's not going to be dynamic. It's not going to be... It's going to be probably very static. Um, and they really went out of their way in the Star Citizen Live, and Jared was even, you know, kind of backing that too. Is like they were kind of going out of the way with the whole there is no magic bullet kind of yeah. solution. So I think they're trying to temper expectations even for that. Yeah. I think it'll enable more content at the end of the day. Yeah. Now, one thing I could I could see happening is something along the lines of, let's say you have a hammerhead or you get one of the bigger ships, it would 
I think it would be reasonable to have crew that are moving around doing the maintenance routines as you see them in Port Alasar. Guy comes over, bends down, looks at something on the wall that's not there, you know, gets up and walks to the back of the the, the engineering section. Uh, the other thing is like a ship like a hammerhead to have AI gunners in it like they do in the pirate ships. I'd be okay with that. I mean, you know, even half the crew, right? Uh, because then you're working as a, I, I suspect that would be a streaming object, right? The ship itself would be a streaming object um, or container, object container. And it's you and maybe the items you've brought on the ship and a couple of AI. Uh, yeah. That would and, be fun. And I think that's eventual. Yeah. And I would imagine crew behaviors are going to start out more simple anyway. Right. right. So uh, I would imagine even when we can hire them, it'll be like everything else tier zero. Yeah. But we'll need a whole reputation. Like the reputation system plays into effect, effect right? right? Um, right. Et cetera. So um, Badger asked a follow He asked a bunch of follow-up questions about, you know, what we think crew behavior is going to be. So he asked, will crew morale play a part in how effective they perform? Um, can I uh, me uh, there, I believe that their intention, the answer to that would be absolutely. Um, because they're already working. If you look at the roadmap, you see cowering and you see, depending on the skill and the chance of winning, for example, of the different um, NPCs and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're already talking about that. So I would guess that if you have, <laughs> I don't know if it would go to the point of if you're flying in a constellation, um, you know, and one of your NPCs thinks it's a no-win situation, so he would literally steal your <laughs> your your snub ship and run away. But uh, I do believe that it would affect the um, their performance absolutely. Yeah, and they they did say that like, you know, crew will have their own reputation, and so you can see how they fared on missions before you hired them. And if someone was, you know, dependable or not, and that's when you're going to see the difference in cost to hire. Could you um, do any, you think you might see something or how would you think this would work? You could actually go to a transportation terminal and order a ride on a ship and, you know, be told to go to hangar number five and get on constellation. It's going to go to your destination and you, yeah, I mean, that's the goal, right? And we see the commercial landing areas and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that would be fun. Just so you don't have to drag your ship, you know, across and just sit in the chair and look out the window. It'd be great. Yeah. Well, and that, that could be AI controlled or it could be player controlled. <clears throat> right. Because right. those missions I'd, will exist. I'd be very happy with AI controlled. Yeah. <laughs> I would. Just get on there and you can't, you can look at the bridge, but you can't go in. You kind of got to. No. Sit in your seat. Um, check off any thoughts. Will crew morale p- play a part into how they perform? Uh, crew, you mean NPC crew morale? Uh, yeah. Stuff. Oh. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, of course, it's the whole AI. You know, that, that's what I said What I said earlier. I mean, you, it, it needs to be. The, you have to have the intelligent AI. It's, it's morale, it's, uh, uh, you know, their physical health, you know, like, you know, how much stress you put on them, you know, 
Yeah, everything. Um, now, uh, similarly, do we think crew morale could be affected by our reputation? Um, what do you think, Canuck? Uh, again, yes. I think that one of the things about reputation is it it is going to be designed to affect our interactions with NPCs more than with real people. Because yeah. um, other people are not necessarily going to have access to your reputation all the time. You might have like reputation, like an org with another org, for example. And I got you guys discussed that quite a bit on the last episode. Um between orgs but if i run into you in the verse and i don't know you and you say hey you want to do mission with me and i'm like yeah sure let's cooperate on this it's not like i can say what is your reputation um whereas i think npcs are going to be scripted to you know know your renown or your notoriety um and that would affect now again and that could be either positive or negative if you're if you're you know uh, a pirate as it were, and you're hiring some sketchy people, you know, they would, they would perform better because you're doing unconscionable things. Whereas if you're hiring people that are, you know, have a conscience, uh, they might not be too impressed with what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I think similarly enough, um, just to sort of layer into this, cause I think some of this overlaps a bit, um, quite a bit. Um, what factors and game loops could play a role role in c- crew morale? So, like you said, pirates doing unconscionable things might bode well for pirates, um, but maybe not if they don't have a reputation for killing people, right? <laughs> um, what 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 do you guys think? What other factors? Um, any other factors you think can? Uh, no, I think th- I think that pretty much. Like, I mean, maybe you're. efficacity um would npcs be aware of your willingness to sacrifice them or not i think there is something to be said for it won't be if you have like a star trek online or even like um you know star wars online or something where you have your own party as it were Mm -hmm. i think not only would be worried about like if you're running a ship with a few npcs in it you know you're not only going to be worried about your ship, but you also don't want to have to keep rehiring people. If you, if you, if you have some NPCs on your ship that are particularly effective and good at their jobs, you know, you're interested in not having that ship get blown up and everybody going up with it. You waking up in your, in your clone tank. And then I could, I could see not having access to those NPCs again, because it would be like, listen, you got me killed last time. So to hell with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think too, like if they find that you constantly are bringing them the dangerous route um, or, you know, something as simple as, Hey, your ship only has protein, basic protein instead of your, your galley doesn't have good food. They may, um, you know, they, the star citizen has said, or Robert space and he's CIG has said, you know, your crew could potentially mutiny <laughs> depending on the factors that you, you know, how you treat them, how you pay them, you know, what type of scenarios happen. So you have to treat your crew well. Any, anyone else have anything to add? Maintenance of the ships. 
two two parts of that is no one wants to ride in a ship that always breaks because you got to repair it and yeah, it just exactly. gets into your sleep cycles. And then the second one is that you know nobody wants to constantly just know that they're not getting decent equipment. They just get tired of working in you know work terrible work environment. Yeah. So there could be like a little addendum in an NPC's like you know, job description, you'd have like a willing to work on Drake ships. That, that was one of the examples that he had in there, by the way. Ah, there <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're flying a Drake, forget it. I'm not getting on with you. Yeah. Wait, I can't escape if we're going to die. <laughs> Origin 890. I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah. bad navigation, you know, bad navigation eats in the profits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, within, within this, uh, keeping up with the star citizens, sort of reputation being, you know, that it's a simulator, very realistic one. It's certainly the whole NPC aspect has to mimic the real world. And just as you retain your employees, the same way you would retain your NPCs and you're going to value, uh, you know, a good, a good NPC. You don't want to lose them because they're going to be well-trained. They know your ships. They know you kind of your style, whether it's uh, you know assisting you with exploring, engineering, mining, uh, for mm-hmm. fighting, you know anything and everything. So no, knowing your ship, I mean, when you have a, a large capital ship, I mean it's important. Yeah, so yeah, I would agree that even though the the more they 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 mimic the real world environment, the better, the more interesting the game will be. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, so the next question, and it's a little bit of a lengthy one because it's our homeboy via email, Einvine. Um, <laughs> he asks, uh, with the game becoming more and more complicated, at least if the game releases as intended, and I guess um, harder to play, do you guys think it'll be off-putting to the modern type of gamers to the point where CIG um, buckles and makes the game easier. I don't know if you guys played a lot of EVE Online, but I played since 2008, and they sort of broke the game a lot to make it new player friendly, to the point where I almost didn't like the game anymore. I guess my worry is that they will easy mode the game because a lot of modern gamers, young players, don't really like playing very hardcore type game mechanic games like dark souls eve online elite dangerous p.s i have this guy that owes me money and i kind of want to have him you know disappear any chance you can help me out on that checkoff (laughs) (laughs) russian mafia is always good for yeah um so I, i already i already have a bounty on my head because it's podcast, we're not gonna get in I, there. I want my bird. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, that scene. So funny. Such a weird thing, but love it. That's from Iron Man Two. For those who don't know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, t- t- uh, it's you know what Einwein is asking a, a great question, and I I know exactly what he means. I played Eve Online since 2008 as well. I played 12 years of Eve, and when they went free to play, um, a lot of the stuff that was particularly involved was 
made more friendly. I won't necessarily say dumb it down, but it was made more accessible to newer players because of the, the new way they kind of did their alpha clones and their different clones. And they wanted to make the game level the playing field a little bit between the people because it is a, a skill-based game with skill-based mechanics, but then there's all the levels and the skill points, right? With a lot mm -hmm. of different things. So there's a lot of synergies. That being said, Star Citizen currently is not a hard game to play. It's not. There are some, some things you have to figure out, but mining is not hard to do. Rock like doing it really well, yeah, and, and by really well I mean like quickly and efficiently. But you know, you get a new prospector, you practice a couple of times, and the mini game is not complicated. If you want to micromanage a lot and use a lot of consumables, you can. If you want to use the passive modules to just do some passive bonuses, you can. So there's a little bit of synergies to work, but overall, it's it's not hard. I do think though, as they develop their um, gameplay mechanics, there will be more involved uh, means to do things. And so, for example, I think exploration will become actually one of the more complex things, whereas NPC combat for bounties will never really be that complicated. It'll be something very accessible for a lot of people. Mining just at, 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 at least the most basic levels will not ever really be that complicated. Um, whereas other things will salvaging doesn't sound like it's going to be hard at any point. seems more um, labor intensive than anything. I think a lot of the things in star citizen are going to be more time investments than difficult, which is good in a way. Um, star citizen doesn't want to be Eve online. EVE Online is, is only popular for about, you know, 20,000 people. That's about it. You'll, you'll, and, and, you know, you look at the EVE Online servers and you say, hey, look, there's 30,000 people. There's not 30,000 people. There's 10,000 people playing three accounts each. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's pretty niche. And if you go too niche, you know, you, you're going to turn too many people off. Yeah. Well, I kind of agree, but when you say that, that it's not a difficult game to play if you understand the genre, right? So what if you've yeah. never touched a space simulator? Like, I when I started playing Star Citizen, my last you know simulator I played or space was Eve Online, but Eve Online would have just started, so it was nothing like Eve Online today. No. It took me probably three months to figure out Star Citizen. Mm -hmm. you know, believe it or not. But that's more of the, like, you don't know what you don't know scenario, I feel like, versus, right. you know, and I think orgs will be the great equalizer there. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, you know, right. It took me three three months to find the place, and then I learned in a week because I, I became a part of the org. Um, I would say the big thing, like, I'm a Star Wars Galaxy player, oh. and they really... <sighs> really that talk about dumbed down the game has anyone played it it sounds like you may have I, I played a little bit of it and i'm going to tell you and again i talked to morphologist about that because he's a big star wars galaxy guy yeah and i actually was chatting with him one night when he had very few people in his stream and what what killed star wars galaxy for me was the community was tough to crack 
it wasn't a very inviting community. So I was kind of like, I got other things to do than this. And so I kind of never really got into it. But yeah, the, a lot of the mechanics were just so duh that it was like, eh. Oh, see, I think I think the community was fine, at least when I was playing. Yeah. Um, I think what happened is, it, I don't know, like the people lost their zeal for the game because originally in the game, it was extremely, extremely labor intensive and very, very hard and extremely rare to become a Jedi. Um, and if you managed to do so, you, um, you were very powerful. It was hard to kill you. Um, and you know, it was, it was like a labor of love. If you died, you became a force ghost and you would have to start a brand new character in order to become and grind up to a Jedi again. And it was really, really hard. So it was something that people really prided themselves on and, and the systems in place, for some reason, the game wanted, wanted bounty hunters to fight Jedi. Um, and then instead, and, and it made sense because the empire was hunting them out. Cause this is post, post a new hope. Um, so it's like in between the new hope and empire strikes back, I believe if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, there's still <clears throat> Jedi roaming about the first death star was destroyed, but you know, there's still trying to round up any remaining Jedi, but they should be relatively rare and they would hide because, you know, they're in a lot of danger. Then they changed it so that despite the timeline, it was really easy to become a Jedi and like the path was super simple and anyone could really do it. And all the tiers were quote unquote dumbed down and all the skill trees were dumbed down and they added extra levels for, to try and appease the, the longer time players and it ended up ruining the game and people stopped playing um, because it was just really, really lame. And you could like move your skills around really easily instead of like grinding for them. You could just port them over to a whole nother skill set. So one day you're a bounty hunter and the next day you could be like an awesome Jedi instead. It was bad. So I could, I could see how people are scarred from things like that. I would say CIG has been doing things different the whole time. And I don't see them, I see them making, I see them wanting to make the most fun game. And so they're going to have to balance playability with um, skill, with, you know, just all around fun. And I do think what we'll see is they're going to make it so that, no, you don't have skills tiers like you would in in an MMORPG, but there will be tiered levels of play in the sense that if you're a pretty good player, you can do X, Y, and Z. And I think reputation has a lot to do with this. So I think they'll wean people into the gameplay and I think they'll find a way to get people, you know, really embedded into some of the early stage stuff and then eventually find ways to like help them train. Like you might be able to train with one of the guilds, like a, a trainee guild or something like that. Uh, anyone else thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I guess, um, for me, I, I, I think that, uh, the focus of, you know, not it being personal skill, but being versus earned skill, I think, um, 
will allow people to develop their skills in a realistic in a realistic manner. Um, and obviously, you know, if they head off into deep space on day one, they're probably not going to make it. It's going to get frustrating for them. But if they, you know, if they did like most of us did and were a little bit in awe of even taking the Aurora off the pad the first time, you know, and crashing uh, it immediately. Yeah. Crashing <laughs> it immediately. Right. Uh, uh, I think that'll be part of it. I think also that as it gets more and more developed, you will have people who only choose to do ground combat. I think you'll have only people that do like trading of stocks and goods. You'll have people who just move cargo much like they did in Eve online. Right. Some guys never Some people want to be space farmers. Like, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Uh, so, I think that with AI eventually coming along, we will have the ability to work our way in without being totally vulnerable, uh, especially since there's a nine to one ratio in ultimate game. You know, they're designing yeah. for. Yeah. So. What, what about you, Chekhov? Um, I guess I would, um, Probably have to hear that question again. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna yeah. wing it and say kind of agree, but that would not be fair to our listeners. Um, well, do you think there's a possibility that Rob, uh, CIG will dumb down the game to meet the needs of of players who don't want a complex game? No. I I I don't think so. Let them suffer like me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think that this you can't dump this game down. This this, this needs to get more more complex. It just needs a, a support channel, uh, whether it's an org, whether it's a mentor. Uh, I mean, whether it's a tutorial and Squadron Forty Two. I always kind of envisioned that Squadron Forty Two is your ticket into PU. Squadron yeah. Forty Two can be dumped down. That's a storyline. Tutorial, lots of practice. Get you used to flight. Fly. Yeah, all the mechanics, and now you're ready for PU. So let the PU become more complex, but Squadron 42 is sort of the gateway in. And you know what? Like, I, I agree with Chekhov on that because, like, for example, if you look at, I can rock mine and I'm okay, but if I went out and me side by side rock mining, Chekhov's done a lot more of it. He's probably got a better feel for, you know, getting into the zone. And, and all those things. And so he, at the end of like, for example, you know, a half an hour, he might have mined one additional rock than I did. It's not a ton more, but it, it still is more. And it's because he's just got experience and he's just better at it. The same thing, like I could go out mining in a prospector with a certain configuration and not be able to crack certain rocks. And somebody with more experience with a better understanding of the type of rock and you know, looking better at the information. Some people don't look at the information at all. They don't look at the resistance. They don't look at the instability. They don't look at anything. And some people do. And so the people that do take time to learn those things and say, well, this has got a different instability and it's got this kind of resistance. Therefore, I'm able to use this and this and this consumable and I can break it no problem. Where somebody else would be like, there's a bug, I can't break it. And they'd be on the issue cancel reporting it saying there's a problem with it. Um, so uh, there are there's opportunities and, and one of the things that I like about Star Citizen is there is no 
quote unquote skill tree. There's no remapping your neuros. There's no, like you said, in Star Wars Galaxy, having recertification tokens and just changing all your skills. And I mean, if you want to get be a jack of all trades and be okay at everything, which is something I plan on doing for Star Citizen. I don't plan on specializing necessarily in anything. I like the idea of just, you know, doing lots of different things. Right. Uh, but some people are going to specialize absolutely. Some people are just going to be dogfighters, and that's all they're going to do, and they will be really good at it. <laughs> you know, uh, and we already see someone. Like, I don't care what you say. If you run into Captain Burks or the Dark Law, uh, pff, run, you're done. Run. You're done. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're just yeah. you're finished. Yeah. You're just not even going to have a chance because those guys are just so good. Moist Noodle, they're just so good at PvP. Um, whereas if we think of other popular streamers like Salty Mike, he's a really good and effective and efficient miner. He has a good understanding of the mechanics. He knows his stuff. And if you want to mine and, and make some money, you find guys like him. Yeah. A big part of what we're trying to do as an org is to, I guess, um, future-proof ourselves through <laughs> combining our abilities, right? Getting organized, yeah. right? That's right. And, uh, we just saw a taste of it. I won't go into it in any detail because it's kind of internal to what we did, but we did some internal training on, on combat, you know, and it was – some of it was against AIs. We did a little bit of it in the Star Marine and uh, things like that, and uh, – found out you know we weren't dying we were doing pretty good yeah. uh, just working in small little groups applying some common sense and um i think that the same thing will happen in in the future with you know multi-party crews and things like that um the other thing is that the bigger an org will be a bigger but the bigger an organized org will be, as opposed to a collective of people that are just using the same name, um, the resources to replace ships and equipment will be much greater, making them more sustainable than they were in, let's say, EVE Online, where everybody can afford a, an Idris. You know, you'd have 10 Idris to show up to shoot a, you know, a rowboat. <clears throat> you know, that's it's not going to be as possible here. The equivalent of shooting a cruise missile at a Toyota. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it was, you know, uh, I liked Eve. I loved the mining mechanic, the view. I thought it was very cool with the drones. But uh, I look at that and I go, you're playing alone for all practical purposes. You're playing alone. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, I don't want to hold us up anymore on that. But that was a good discussion. Yeah, question. lots of good stuff. Um, I love I love good questions. Well, speaking of questions, if you do, and by the way, once again, if you have any questions, if you have anything you did for science that you want us to talk about, if you have any comments, ideas, feel free to submit them. Um, or even if you want us to try and do something in the name of science, um, you know, we can't promise that we'll get to it. But if you have any ideas for something you want to, find out um we're willing to potentially test it so let us know and you could do so by emailing us at readcastsc at gmail.com that's readcastsc at gmail.com uh dming our twitter handle readcastsc submitting a message through anchor 
we have our Readcast Discord, which you can join and engage uh, with fellow listeners. Um, or you can text or, or leave a voicemail at 646-783-8154. Um, don't forget also, if you are looking for that special org out there and you can't seem to find it, Read is um, one that's respectful, law-abiding, um, we stand for research and engineering through exploration and discovery. Um, so take a look at our details if, if you're in an exploration or even if you're in a combat, but you want to defend a friendly fleet. Um, and then if you want to check out some of our fellow content creators, um, earth has videos on YouTube, uh, as well as, uh, the music that you hear on this episode, as well as mu- uh, additional music that has been created by Admiral Cody and Calibri. Um, which is really great. Their info's in the notes below. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Readcast. Canuck, happiest of birthdays to you. Just happy birthday. Uh, happy yeah. birthday. Thanks very much. I, I, I really, I, I, I'm really happy I was able to, you know, spend some time with some good folks on my birthday. I enjoyed it very much. Love chatting, love sharing. I'm impressed that we didn't, trunce all over each other you know four people in a in a in a podcast can become a little unwieldy but it's it's just nice we know we take turns i got a little out of sync though i think what happened earlier but now i'm okay so i apologize for walking all over you a few times i think it just i don't know we could tell you could tell it was an out of sync big deal one one person at any time remembers the question the other person's busy making some kind of answer for something they think they remember and the other two of us aren't sure what we heard because we were doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're playing that 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 uh, thing with whose line is it anyway? Yeah, where someone can have stand, someone has to sit, and someone has to lay, and they keep switching. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I would say just just to comment on that, Canuck, it's probably because all four of us were the most. Um, participative in this podcast so you're our most frequent guest outside of seaguard who is now a co-host so you know that kind of helps that you know this isn't your first rodeo it's not your second rodeo it's probably not even your third is it it's what is this fourth is it number four it's either three or four this is like saturday night live i'm like i'm like the uh those guests that it's like, do I get a jacket if I show up a fifth time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe in game. A, a smoking what jacket. What, what just right. happened? I didn't know that if you lie down in Anvil Hawk in the back, my screen just went black. You go to sleep. You're in jail. You close the back of the ship up. I think you can go to sleep. You log out. If you hold Y, you'll exit. Oh, no. It just... Threw me out to menus. That was no. You log out. It's a log out if you go to bed in that thing. Oh yeah. my god! Oh. Yeah, you can log out. <laughs> See, you're still. <laughs> you look, you st- he's still learning. Snorkel trap me. That's right. <laughs> my favorite pun. You could check that off his list. Here, uh, I've yeah, got an he, alibi as usual. And he was very inviting. He's like, he's waving me in because I can't really talk. I'm on a podcast. Like, come on, check this out. So I go in, and boom, everything goes black. <laughs> You're going to wake up in prison. <laughs> he's just got your bounty. Check out the kind of guy that he'll get into the white van that pulls up with the guy saying, uh, I got some uh, Russian uh, nesting dolls in here for you to come and look at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a taste of home. 
Well, everyone, it was, it was another. <laughs> let me, let me, uh, can I get one more, one more oh, question? Sure. Sure. Go right ahead. Yeah. Did we, um, sorry, I'll call it an alibi. Did we, uh, did we get any responses back from the three questions I proposed last week? Probably not, I guess. No, we did not. So. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. You want to throw them back out? Oh, I want to, I want to throw out a different one this time. Uh, okay. So this one is, you know, we've been looking at, um, so here's the question. Um, what's the general census out there? Anyone got any strong opinions on having organizational uniforms? Do you guys, as a as a community out there, like the idea? Some people do, some people don't. Just kind of get an idea of of uh, of what y'all are thinking out there. Um, that was Our- one. That was one. Um, and then the second thing I was going to say was that. Um, we did have we did have our first group that contacted us to see if we wanted to interact with them for an event, uh, and I just want to put a thumbs up to those guys. It didn't work out mostly from our end. They were a pirate org and were were uh, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, law abiding. Law abiding. That's the word. I have to struggle with that one. We're a law law abiding org, but. Good guys. Uh, wish you guys the best. Um, just didn't work out this time. And, uh, so good can for I, you uh, guys. Yeah, go ahead. Can I can I make a suggestion on this? Yeah. So you know how there's a Discord. Yes. Um, Geeky, what about would it would it work to create another channel and call it Questions for Us, and and, and for like for the Readcast guys, and then people could. Like that's where, for example, Seaguard could post some questions in there. So for the episode coming on, you know, what would be the twenty, the twentieth, for example. Here's some questions for you guys, and what do you think? And then people could maybe interact in that way. And then you could, if there's some really good discussions or some really good things, you could discuss it in the next episode. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's a place to engage. I would say, you know, there's not a lot of engagement right there, um, but you know, there's some. You're you're a big part of it, Canuck. By the way, uh, it's because I got nothing else to do but chat and give my opinion. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, so I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm <laughs> I woke up in space in the middle. According uh, to my wife, it's her favorite. Uh, it's her favorite thing about me is I've got an opinion on everything, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it goes over really well with my kids, too. Geeky, would you mind showing pick me up, please? You're 254 away, and I'm running out of air. I'm in the middle of space. <laughs> and I guess you can play the out, outtake. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And on that note, as Geeky runs off to save Chekhov. Chekhov. Hold your breath, Chekhov. I'll, I'll, be, there, I'll be right there, Chekhov. <laughs> Until next week, everyone. Do <laughs> 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 <laughs>